You're listening to the Let's Talk Strata podcast hosted by Mark Mercier. Whether you're a tenant, lot owner, caretaker or industry professional, this podcast is for anyone connected with a body corporate or strata title. Tune in every fortnight to hear thought-provoking discussions with industry leaders and experts on topics both practical and technical that will spark your interest. Welcome again to the Let's Talk Strata podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge views from pinnacle industry experts and those involved with peak body associations on all things strata in Queensland. Today, our special guest is Trevor Rawnsley. Just a little bit about Trevor. Trevor is the CEO of the Australian Resident Accommodation Managers Association, otherwise known as ARAMA. ARAMA is the not-for-profit peak industry body for people involved in management rights and the management rights industry. Trevor will deliver practical insights into how effective the BCCM Act is in modern density living in Queensland and also provide advice on the involvement of ARAMA and how it serves its stakeholders. Currently, ARAMA represents more than 2,500 resident managers across the country and in doing so, it seeks to serve the corporate and industry needs of members in order that it can properly represent the interests of all stakeholders and, of course, the resident accommodation industry as a whole. ARAMA also provides benefits for its members, including industry representation on issues that directly impact the viability of member businesses. Welcome, Trevor. It's a great pleasure having you on board today for a chat on the Let's Talk Strata podcast. Morning, Mark. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So how did you come to Body Corporate? How did I get involved in Yeah. yeah how did you get involved in this industry? In my role as a resident manager. So in right. 2003, my wife and I bought our first management rights business holding, mm. and that was our first experience in Strata in Queensland as well. Previously, we'd been homeowners, right. and we'd sold everything up and lived and worked in a Strata total community. Right. And in your role as CEO of ARAMA, how did you come to get to that position? Uh, to become CEO? Yeah. 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 Well, I was out of the room, I think, and somebody mm. said yes, and I wasn't sure of the question. <laughs> um, but I was a volunteer for ARAMA, so ARAMA is a member-led uh, organisation mm-hmm. with volunteers, been running for about 25 years. So I was on the Gold Coast Committee and on the State Management Committee for mm. some time. I'd sold my second building, was about to launch into a third and it was suggested that I take on a full-time role to uh, help ARAMA mm-hmm. uh, become a little more corporatised than what it was. It certainly has done that and, I mean, looking at the website, it's, uh, it absolutely has that corporate feel about it. So what does ARAMA do for its stakeholders and maybe give a bit of an overview of what the demographic is, okay. stakeholder group? Yep. So... Um, should I explain the business of management letting rights first? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the business of management letting rights, it's a business model that involves on-site letting management, like on-site real estate agency uh, for the purpose of letting, and on-site building management or facility management. Uh, there's a contemporaneous agreement with the body corporate, which is sometimes referred to as the management agreement, it has two parts, caretaking service agreement and a letting agreement. So a resident manager is a person or an MLR business is a business that conducts both of those or provides both of those services to a body corporate in Queensland. 
and they can be fairly lengthy contracts, can't they? Between between ten and twenty five years, depending on the module that's registered under. Exactly right. Up to up to twenty five mm. years. You know, we're a great believer in long term agreements equals long term thinking. Mm. Uh, what happens a lot is that those people who live in a scheme think uh, some people who live in a scheme think only about the scheme today, and not necessarily about how that building or scheme may develop in the future. So we see those agreements as matching the life of the building as opposed to short-term decisions, short-term agreement. And it's a long-term relationship, I mean, subject to the caretaking, letting manager selling. They're long-term relationships and really community living and the nature of those relationships, contractual relationships, Mm. mean that people have to live together, don't they? Mm. Absolutely, live and work together. And that's a unique part of the management letting rights business Mm. model is the ability to live and work in a community total scheme, provide services to the the community, to um, the strata community, and have a a business that has value, that Mm. retains value. So uh, length of agreement does assist in the retention of value, makes it attractive, an attractive commodity to sell. Mm. And that attracts um, people with calibre and quality. These things aren't cheap. So, you know, the, uh, the driver there is that people who are usually successful in business in other areas enter management letting rights uh, for reasons that are either business-related or lifestyle-related. Yeah. It's a challenging job, though, isn't it, uh, to Can manage yeah. the scope of duties often and there, there's contractual issues, legal issues aside from the personal issues because you are living in a community. So in terms of your stakeholders, what do they look like? Are they just all, uh, we call them RUMs, resident unit managers, but mm. uh, yeah, caretaking and letting managers. Sure. What do your stakeholders look like? Okay, so RUM is what we drink. It's not necessarily who we are. So resident manager is the preferred uh, term or yeah. on-site manager might be something mm. more descriptive. And. Um, uh, the average demographic is mm. 55 plus, which indicates what I said earlier yeah. about a successful business career. Predominantly a small business, family business, mum and dad, couple of kids. In our case, it was my wife and I and our mm. children, despite the fact that they refused to work for $2 an hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's generally how those smaller schemes, smaller schemes under 100 lots, yeah. operate quite effectively. Some of the more complicated schemes... Uh, that have uh, complicated facilities that need to be uh, managed in a certain way. We're seeing that those larger buildings, those larger schemes and those larger MLR businesses are better attended to by a more corporate Mm. angle rather than mum and dad. Do you think there's a trend towards corporatisation of MLRs? Mm, I think it's a... Yes, the short answer is yes, and I think that might be because... Uh, there's quite a predominance of development in those 100 plus, mm-hmm. or at least 50 plus, anyhow, and that's attractive to a corporation as opposed to the smaller buildings that are less attractive to a corporation. Mm-hmm. So, really, corp- the growth in corporate management or corporatization, as mm-hmm. you call it, is reflective of how those buildings are being taken to market or bought to market. Yeah, and we're seeing marketing models or products that are being taken up by buildings perhaps as a means of delivering that professional service that doesn't mean that the mum and dad businesses don't do the same or offer that plus more but we're seeing a lot of the corporate brand 
mm. uh, come out and amalgamation of these organisations into the bigger buildings, I think, aren't we? Yeah, developers yeah. are more able to explain Brand X mm. and that this will become managed by Brand X as yeah. opposed to this will become a management letting rights building. We don't know yet who those operators are. That's a difficult sell mm. for a developer much easier sell for a developer to say this is being developed alongside or in yeah. conjunction with a recognized brand yeah so knowing that you've got the corporate brand type of um, MLR uh, model out there then you've got the mum and dad model how do you work with those different types of stakeholders I, I'm guessing they've got different needs different disputes different issues well they may do in an operational sense so they may have different needs in terms of marketing or, or relations with um, other members of the body corporate. But from a business model point of view, it's still managing on-site letting and on-site caretaking uh, in that community title. The, the core is the same, isn't it? Core, the yeah. core is the same. Yeah. They just have different methods of delivering the service to the body corporate. And that really is what a management letting rights business is. It's a service model to the body corporate. And what makes things more complicated, I joke about how complicated mm. community title living is, but what makes it more complicated is that we are a unit, generally speaking, a unit owner, therefore a member of the body corporate, yeah. and a service provider to the body corporate, and a letting agent to tenants. So we have relationships with many stakeholders. To get back mm. to your question, we have our operators need to have a relationship with tenants, and a relationship with unit owner investors, and a relationship with unit owner occupiers, a relationship with unit owners who may lock up, a relationship with body corporate managers, and a relationship with all of those people who provide service and advice and support to the, all of those stakeholders. Do you think the dialogue's different between those stakeholders to meet their needs? It's a broad group of people that they need to service and really, I guess at the end of the day, satisfy. And I'm guessing the dialogue's got to be different depending on whether you're dealing with, dealing with a manager or an investor or a live-in owner. What are the challenges in meeting those competing needs? Some of them dovetail, others won't. Mm. Oh, so you're quite right. Some of them are in conflict. I mean, right now we're seeing conflicted, conflicted outcomes between an investor owner and an owner-occupier in how that unit should be occupied, especially mm. with the Airbnb phenomenon oh, that's yeah. occurring. So that's a phenomenon that we're often uh, conflicted, but we're also mm. affected the same as a lot owner, any other lot owner is affected where a unit owner investor decides to use Airbnb outside of the normal letting pool that the resident manager may have. So, so in many cases where the victim, as much as the unit owner occupier is the victim, and in many other cases we don't get that communication right. So we become like the perpetrator mm. uh, and the victim all at the same time. It's very, very complicated. It's fascinating. It is. Fascinating. To, and I thought I was a pretty good communicator when I bought, uh, when we bought our first management rights business. Dealing with the tourists and the guests was actually the easiest part. Dealing with the conflict between unit owner occupiers, unit owner investors and committees and body corporate managers, not always. Hostile, not at all, but mm. it was just really complicated and really did stretch 
my ability to communicate and it does with a lot of resident managers. It's very difficult to prepare a resident manager for that complexity of communication and the push-pull that we get from other stakeholders. Yeah, so challenging and, and look, on top of all of that, I think, and this is just from practical working in the industry, I'm sure you'll agree that dynamics change on a committee yeah. potentially every year, don't Could they? Could be overnight. Different people yep. come on board mm. and the resident manager's got to be as you say, a great communicator, mm. and it's a people business. So mm. to manage not only the complexities of the role, but the people yeah. on the committee particularly mm. um, is a great challenge. So do you get resident managers coming to ARAMA talking about those challenges and seeking some kind of advice, mm. resolution? Mm. Uh, what do you see? Yeah, we do. It's a big part of our work. So whilst our primary... Uh, reason uh, for being is to represent the industry, advocate um, mm. for positive change, work cooperatively with stakeholders at a at an industry level. That's what we attempt to do. But our members are sometimes caught up in the personality of relationships yeah. at a local level. I mean, it's not easy to live in suburbs next to a noisy neighbour no. or a neighbour who smokes or. An, you know, neighbor, it's not easy and it's not unusual to hear about uh, you know, disputes across the back fence. Yeah. And in strata, when you're living together in those close confines, it's, those neighbourhood disputes are multiplied by 10. And then when you're a service provider as well as a neighbour, right. you can add another factor to that. I'm yeah. not sure what it is, but it would be fascinating yeah. for, <laughs> to look, be. look at that. But, uh, that's, and so the outcome of that is dispute. And so, in a very real sense, a lot of our members are feeling pressured, under attack in some cases, and looking for, and if, trying to understand how that occurred, can rectify it, and looking to ARAMA or other service providers around the industry to help them navigate their way to peace. Yeah. It seems to me that uh, a lot of this core skill is important across the board and I speak to body corporate managers, lawyers dealing with body corporate issues, obviously um, you've got your real estate agents, you've got caretaker managers. It seems to me that there's a real need to enhance all these soft skills, um, yeah. negotiation skills, communication skills, because in a perfect world everyone would communicate perfectly and air their grievances in a neat respectful, and respectful way. respectful way. But that doesn't always happen, does it? It would be wonderful, Mark, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. So you mentioned an interesting thing about Airbnb because, of course, there's been a decision that's been handed down by QCAT. Um, it's the body corporate for Hilton Park and Colin Robertson. Now, that's an interesting decision. I think it uh, confirms the original matters where you can't restrict your short-term letting what are the Airbnb issues you find coming across your desk? So Airbnb are very clever marketers. They've even got you and I talking about their brand they name. They do. Okay, they're magnificent they at do. that sort of thing. And they do have a very good portal as a user, uh, booking a holiday or whatever. Mm. It's a very good experience, good user-friendly experience. But they really are just an OTA, an overseas travel agent. There are mm. a number of them, two large companies in the world, Expedia and Priceline, uh, provide all of the OTA online mm. travel agent services. Yeah. Airbnb are the third operator in the market with a different business model. And the difference with their business model, which has really disrupted industry, not just um, strata, but also the tourism industry, 
is that Airbnb enable individual lot owners, in this particular case, to appear to be sophisticated operators of tourism when they're not. Mm. So it could either be a lot owner or it could be an Uber driver who has it's half clever, a dozen. Clever platform, isn't it's it? It's a great platform. Yeah. yeah. So I really don't like using those those letters. Um, mm. <laughs> I'd rather talk about the the concept of short stay letting in short term letting short term yeah. letting. So yeah. uh, that company that I'm going to try not to use there <laughs> is a clever OTA. Mm. It's a it's a distribution model to get that short stay to market. Mm. So these cases we see about the rights of an investor to occupy their lot in a certain way, I think are consistent. This last case I think is consistent mm. with previous cases, and um, the fact that there's this company that starts with A taking the headlines distracts from the real issue and the real issue is whether a unit owner has the right same rights whether a unit owner investor has the same rights as a unit owner occupier absolutely well of course when whenever a unit owner says i want to let out Mm. my lot it doesn't matter how long they want to let it out for Mm. it's it's going to be a lease Uh, it's going to be classed as a dealing and of course the legislation doesn't prohibit dealing on residential lots so and it also doesn't prohibit uh, it well it doesn't class it as a commercial purpose so that's one of the underlying things i think on this case that uh, really bring somewhat a bit more certainty now after this qcat decision but uh, it means that lot owners can't be prevented from dealing with their lots in that way mm. and it's not going to be considered commercial per se like that even though mm. the underlying you know issue of short-term letting is a commercial purpose it's mm. commerciality about it mm. but uh, yeah it's an interesting uh, concept and um, of course you'll get bylaws that prohibit short-term letting what do you do about that no well you do uh, you deal with those bylaws the same way you would about dogs mm. or cats um, If they're unreasonable, they're unenforceable. And uh, I don't know of any bylaw that can prohibit you from having a pet outright, whether it's a dog or a cat. I don't know of any bylaw that can prohibit you from occupying your lot in any way you like, providing it doesn't breach peaceful enjoyment and some Mm. of those other reasonable bylaws that are enforceable. That's right. You get you get other conditions like immoral purpose and all of that kind of thing yep. coming into it. Interesting you should talk about pets because you, you can only regulate pets these days, yep. can't you? But you get a lot of issues. Um, and, and you talked about the, I don't know, the four or five Ps is probably more. But you've got, Make up a few yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some of the burning topics when we talk about the four or five Ps, you know, your yep. pool, pets, uh, okay. parking, all of those matters? Well, it's similar. Uh, so there's a similar thread that runs through things like parking, passive smoking, and to some degree pets, mm. uh, parties certainly. So parties, oh, yeah. passive smoking, and um, pets are emotive. Mm. So they're emotive issues. If someone's a non-smoker and they um, inhale sidestream smoke or drift from a neighbour's lot, they're angry. And I, I understand that. Yeah. I'm an ex-smoker, mm. but I'm no longer a smoker. Yeah. And... Um, as I said before, living, you know, so close together that noise travels and smoke travels and, yeah. and also the behaviour of transient guests are um, an emotive issue for people to deal with. So 
what we try and do and what we advise our members to do is uh, you know, work cooperatively with mm. the committee, with the body corporate manager and the committee in establishing the bylaws. Understand your role is not the parking policeman yeah. or the passive smoking policeman. It's not your job to have a speed gun as cars drive in and out of the scheme. It's your job to be the eyes and ears of the body yeah. corporate and to raise possible bylaw breaches to the body corporate. Body corporate should deal with them. Yeah. I guess weaving into that is the idea of short-term letting and that concept cuts across all of those matters because often a short-term tenant won't be given those bylaws, will they? Uh, yeah, well, um, they're given them in the form of house rules. So mm. whether they're short-stay or long-stay, the resident manager acting as the on-site letting agent has a not just a fiduciary duty but has a responsibility to manage the behaviour of that get, those guests. They're not ultimately yeah. responsible, but they have a responsibility to manage. So in some cases, I'm going to use the air, the air word, mm. if Airbnb is your problem, the management rights is a solution because that yeah. on-site manager can vet the person who checks in, uh, can enable or insist that the person signs uh, conditions of uh, accommodation. Some of those conditions of accommodation may well be no smoking. Yeah. While the, while the body corporate may not be able to regulate smoking, the on-site letting agent certainly can, both in short stay and long stay. So when a two, on a two-day stay, how many of those tenants are going to read those guidelines? That's the question, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, it's a condition of booking. So on a short yeah. stay, um, if you book a hotel, there are conditions of booking. Whether you read them or not, there's still conditions, and those conditions can be uh, used to manage the behaviour of the guest. So there might be conditions, uh, Mark, if you wish to stay here, the condition is that there's no noise after 10pm. Yep. And if there is noise after 10pm, uh, we would be having a conversation with you about make sure yeah. it doesn't happen again. If it does happen again, we've got the right to take further action. So it's interesting because a long-term tenant would have a greater uh, a vested interest in knowing the rules and complying because they're there for the long term. So I guess perhaps the motivation and mindset might be a bit different between those two types of tenants. Well, you would think so. But having managed both long-term tenants and short-term guests, oftentimes if you have a noisy long-term tenant, it's much more difficult to mm. manage uh, their behaviour right. than it is with a short-term guest. Because with that short-term guest, the punitive measures can be quite swift. In managing a long-term tenant, they're, they're very procedural and can take a long time. And the Residential Tenancy and Room Accommodation Act is currently oh, yeah. being reviewed, which will uh, probably result in even more rights for tenants, more difficult methods of managing tenancy behaviour. Well, that's right, isn't it? Because uh, you've got um, ongoing dispute then with an ongoing tenant. And part of those P's, isn't it? It's personalities. So how do you manage the personal disputes when they come across your desk? In long-term long short residential term. tenancy? Okay, so as a resident manager, again, management letting rights, the business has certain advantages. One of the advantages is that it operates, the operator is on site, living on site and dealing with people on site. So when it comes to tenant selection, there's more care taken by an on-site letting agent than there is an off-site letting agent. It's factual. We deal with one building, generally. We might have the average lot size is 47 lots of MLR business. Mm -hmm. So you've got up to 47 tenants to have relationships with, as opposed to 
several hundred, maybe even thousands of tenants that a property manager might yeah. need to deal with. So they know the building, don't they? they know, well, they know the yeah. building. We know the building. Yeah. They, they, they know the building. But also that relationship starts from day one. During the interview process to fill that tenancy, I'm going to make sure as a resident manager that I'm selecting a neighbour, not just a tenant. So there's yeah. a big difference there. So there's a dichotomy there then for the um, caretaker uh, operating from, from a building. You've got the commercial interest the caretaker because after all it's a business it's an investment absolutely quite a big one too and then you've got body corporate's interests Hmm. how do they fit in together how do they dovetail together okay so we try and break it down so there really is that um, dichotomy of roles you're right so as a caretaking service provider we have an agreement that agreement should be specific where we find there is a difference in expectations which leads to the dispute usually because the agreement is too generic or just inaccurate. I've seen agreements that talk about maintaining an elevator in a two-storey walk-up that has no elevator. So well, they're the um, off-the-shelf developer, hmm. you know, buy hmm. them off-the-shelf, basically. So just we've been, yeah, for the, so A-Rama have been advocating for the last 10 years now, um, but every chance we get for specificity in agreements, for those older agreements to, to have some time and motion study, some science put hmm. into them, about the work that's actually required for the building and that gets to the heart of what a caretaker or a caretaking service provider uh, is required to do and that is act in the best interest of the building and that ultimately is what the body corporate committee is really charged to do is act yeah. in the best interest and that's what a body corporate manager is really yes. charged to do so if all of those three stakeholders the committee body corporate committee the body corporate manager and the resident manager if they all operate with the intention of doing what's right for the building then it tends to take the personality out of it that's what we find it's interesting you should say that because of course the um the bccma the body corporate and community management act has the codes of conduct for each of those groups there but um acting in the best interests still uh, of the body corporate still raises the issue well there's a commercial element to it mm. and that business needs to be viable so it comes down to okay well good agreements being put in place Hmm. um, and not just buying into an off-the-shelf set of caretaking terms. Whose obligation is it to make sure those are appropriate, the caretaking agreement's appropriate and drafted for purpose? Look, I think both the body corporate and the resident manager, so the uh, provider of the service and the engager of the service both have a shared responsibility to make sure the contract is clear that mm. when that person leaves the committee and a new person joins, should they choose to read that agreement, they can understand it. The resident manager, acting as a caretaker, can understand it. So that I think what we haven't, uh, I haven't made clear enough is that a management rights business is in the best interest of the scheme because uh, as a caretaking service provider, you're able to deliver more bang for buck than an outside service provider. So what about unfair agreements? That could be very, very much in the best interest of the body corporate, but to the detriment of the caretaker. What about those unfair agreements? Oh, unfair agreements are unfair. I um, guess they're buying into it, aren't they? If you're talking about if a, uh, a person purchases a yeah. management letting rights where the caretaking service agreement is unfair... And the scope is ridiculous. I'd suggest that, like buying anything, mm. you need to do due diligence... Mm. and uh, make sure that you're well advised, which is why the ARAMA has a number of specialist lawyers, 
accountants, valuers and other service providers that we'd recommend as opposed to general, general advice. Of course there's legislative reforms um, on the horizon. Where do you see your stakeholder group fitting into that and what would you like to see? So the BCCM Act we actually think it's a good act. So we have coverage all around Australia. We work with strata laws in other states. New South Wales have just updated theirs. But um, the Queensland laws are, are quite um, quite visionary and very practical. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that the BCM Act is, BCCM Act is mm. copied by a number of other jurisdictions yeah. around the world. So we don't, we don't believe you should throw the baby out with the bathwater, mm. but clearly it needs to be modernised. Yeah. So there certainly are, you know... Uh, things about electronic voting technology uh, yeah, yeah for sure. all of those need to be updated the uh, phenomenon of passive smoking or side stream smoking yeah. you know they need to be looked at probably the the number one thing that arama would like to see it, there is a it's a peculiar thing in queensland where a lot owner who happens to have um, the title of resident manager is automatically appointed to the body corporate committee yet um, prohibited from voting at a mm. committee level, we're able to vote at a general meeting level. The problem with being on a committee where you're not allowed to vote, even though you're entitled to being a lot owner, is that there's a almost a discriminatory treatment. So two kinds of lot owners, those who can vote and that one who can't vote. So um, we find that's the root cause of a lot of disputes because we're no longer treated as equal in, some, in the view of some uh, lot owners who are on committees no longer treated as equal because we're the resident manager mm. and that, that situation doesn't exist in other states quite clear we have a conflict of interest oh. that's clear we disclose that quite clear we should remove ourselves from voting of any matters that would have a beneficial outcome yeah but um uh so A-Rama, in answer to your question A-Rama would really like to see that addressed in the reform package of bccm it's a difficult thing to try and encapsulate in the legislation because you do have that, as you say, conflict of interest. Any matters potentially that a caretaker, if they were allowed to vote, could vote on, could have a positive impact on them. And even the perception of that mm. is something that perhaps the legislation is trying to shield and put a barrier to. Mm. But there are practical matters also that a caretaker could very much vote on that are purely mm. body corporate matters. Yeah, Mark, one vote on a committee of eight really isn't going to make any difference. Mm. So if I have a particular thing that I want uh, and I get one vote and the others don't, then the fact that I have a vote or don't have a vote makes no difference. That's not the point I'm getting at. Yeah. It's the perception of being treated equally yeah. with equal respect, uh, especially in a state like Queensland that's mm. doing a lot of really... This government is doing a lot of good work to create equality mm. and it just really bemuses me that mm. there's actually an inequality on the committee and I understand I get it about mm. the conflict of interest but there are unit owners with a conflict of interest who are on the committee in positions of authority who exert their authority uh, and and gain uh, advantages and they're able to vote and uh, and, and resident managers aren't. So I just look. I, th I just think it's one of those things that um, I agree with what you mentioned earlier about the agreements being reasonable and fair yeah. and um, in the best interest of the building, okay, mm. but with a commercial outcome. And that ability for a resident manager as a lot owner to be treated equally on a committee means that they would need to subject themselves to be voted mm. onto a committee. Currently they're appointed 
So I think it's fair that um, if we want to vote, then we've got to make sure that we're popular enough to be voted on to the committee in the first place. Mm. And then we should be treated equally, except, of course, those matters that have a direct beneficial outcome for us. We we excuse ourselves from voting. And those mechanisms already exist yeah. in the BCCM Act. So I, it's just a, it may not seem like a big deal, but it's a big deal when you're sitting in a committee meeting and they've already made decisions and they've already had debate and they've already had disclosure and then they tell you how, what the decision of that committee meeting is. And it's puzzling when when you have such a vested interest in the scheme. Absolutely. And look, um, it always fascinates me when um, a building with 100 lots can't get a full committee. Absolutely. Uh, and there's a caretaker manager there. Yeah, uh, so that's a practical uh, yeah, very issue. Practical. You then force yourself into you know an administration scenario where the body corporate manager will typically act as the committee which is not ideal mm. certainly not for a big building mm. so so yeah there, there is that uh struggle to get uh, people involved and yeah i could definitely see mm. a, a benefit there caretaker being considered a voting member in terms of disputes themselves of course the mechanism in there's mechanisms in the contracts obviously to terminate or, or dispute resolution but then you've got the remedial action notice stream in the in the legislation in terms of your office uh, you deal with disputes obviously can you give an example of, of perhaps some remedial action notices and maybe some tips to a manager confronting one what should they do? A resident manager, a you resident mean? resident manager. Okay, so the first thing is a resident manager must intimately understand their caretaking service agreement, must understand what their job is. And then this might sound really cute, do your job. Yes. So <laughs> once you understand what you've got to do, is do it. And uh, what we find is that those who do uh, don't receive the RANs, the remedial action notices. Those who don't understand their agreement, don't fully understand the duties that they've got to discharge, are the ones who are sometimes surprised when they discover after their lawyer has read the agreement for them and pointed out to them that there was a additional tasks or duties that they uh, had not been aware of. The same applies to committee members. There'll be, might only take one, who has a different interpretation of yeah. that agreement than anybody else. And they've just joined the committee and it's their job to make sure everybody understands that this is what I expect and uh, they try to exert power and authority over the resident manager in the form of a remedial action notice. And I don't know the ratio, but I'd probably suggest it's, it's about 20 or 30 to 1, the number of remedial action notices that are issued. They're actually unreasonable or unenforceable or just mm. not relevant. Yeah. Uh, but it's the, uh, the desire of that particular committee to take action against what they perceived to be an underperforming manager. But it creates pressure, doesn't it? It's a it formal does. way of creating pressure and, and I hate to say it, can be used unreasonably as a, as a tool, uh, maybe an abusive process. Hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a wide gamut of, um, of um, uh, approaches to the use of remedial action notices or RANDs, but uh, in terms of the, the uh, legitimate use, uh, I'm guessing you would have contact with caretaker managers who are seeking advice. Um, what other tips would you give aside from, yes, understand your agreement, do your job, 
committees need to understand it too so that their expectations are reasonable mm. and not unreasonable. Mm. What else would you say to a caretaker? Apart from doing your job, so understanding what your job is and doing your job, what else is there? Making sure you act reasonably and you, you realise that the body corporate is your customer. Mm. And that might, again, seem like a point that doesn't need emphasis, but it is. You could be the best restaurateur in the world delivering the best food and the best service and the guests just won't like it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't, you don't argue. You just get, yep, thank you very much. So you've got to understand your, your, you your, understand your client. Customers yeah, essentially. Are, well, there's that old saying, customers are always right. Well, they're not, but they need to be, they need to, they need to be right. So, so my advice to resident managers is you don't always have to be right. Sometimes being right is not the right thing to be. Or do they need to feel they're right? Uh, the customer certainly does need to feel they're right. Whether they are or not. But if they yeah, at I least feel heard. It's service 101, isn't it? Yeah. It's not about management rights. It's about the relationship between a service provider and a customer. And what makes it more different, though, what takes it up a level is that we live together. Yeah. Or ought to live together. Well, we do live together, but we live together harmoniously. And those who do, it's not easy when you're being attacked at a committee level with a remedial action notice to walk out in the garden and smile and be cheery to everybody. Very difficult, very difficult. And that's a unique part about the management letting rights business model compared to any other business that I've been involved in. I suspect that's the reason why a lot of caretakers will sell up and go elsewhere. The pressure becomes untenable. Yeah, well, the pressure can become untenable. You're quite right. My experience is uh, my wife and I worked without a break for about three and a half years. We did a really good job. Um, mm. When we sold, we did pretty well out of the sale, and we have lot owners who are still our friends. But we collapsed in a heap, uh, so we were extremely fatigued, yeah. and we had no idea. So yeah. that can, when you're working at that pace, particularly in a short stay building, and uh, you, you're under pressure and being you, your ethics are being questioned, and your reason for getting up are being attacked, and you think that your business is at jeopardy, it really does bring out a whole bunch of emotions that you just can't anticipate yeah so in essence you need a thick skin don't you you gotta have a thick skin that's for sure and a fat wallet (laughs) so the flip side of that is obviously the good caretakers if i can use that word do all of those things right so the bad news takes the headlines like anything Uh, so the vast majority of these schemes work well and they work well because all of the stakeholders body corporate manager resident manager and the committee work in the best interest of the building and they solve puzzles Mm. things happen they work cooperatively and collaboratively we know that resident managers as an on-site letting agent deliver a better weekly rent to their Mm. investors so the investor owners are generally quite happy it's the uh, caretaking area that causes disputes and that's where we've got to work doubly hard to make sure we deliver service but also demonstrate the service we're delivering we're not very good we're good a lot of our members are good at doing Mm. not very good at explaining what we're doing so communication is very important absolutely in terms of communication arama communicates a lot of information for caretakers i'm guessing a lot of committee members would take some value about uh, a lot of that information and even lot owners for that matter to understand it from the caretaker's perspective Mm. what kind of information does arama put out to caretakers if they don't already know Sure. So um, it's very complicated. So, uh, you know, the information that everyone puts out deals with tourism, 
deals with residential tenancies, deals with body corporate law, deals with tenancy law. They're, yeah, it's very broad, isn't it? Matters of yeah. um, uh, trust account management, fair trading, uh, matters dealing with workplace health and safety. Mm. Uh, there are actually about 107 pieces of legislation that a resident manager needs to be familiar with. You know, the big ones are the BCCM Act yeah. because that's the area of common purpose. That's the role uh, that a caretaker provides. Yeah. So we push out as much information as we can in as easily digestible form, but we run events for mm-hmm. managers, and a lot of those events have a social networking aspect, but they're themed. We have training outcomes, learning outcomes. We just ran a series of roadshows through Queensland on matters that are really important to the scheme, and it was about property law. It was about property law forms and tools. Very dry topic for yeah. anybody else, but very important topic yeah. for a resident manager acting as a non-site letting agent. How can anyone interested in this information tap into it? So there's um, a couple of ways. So we've got a pretty snazzy website, as you said, that's got a lot of information on it and a lot of information that's open to the public. Okay, My phone number is published there. We have an open dialogue with anyone who rings. We get a lot of calls from unit owners or committee people just trying to solve the puzzle many of them are really well-intentioned yeah when they ring a rama they'll disclose who they are you can usually understand Mm -hmm. so we've got that ability to be able to talk directly to committees and um, body corporate managers as well and we also um, have membership of a rama we're a not-for-profit industry association so as an a rama member you then get access to um, member protected parts of the website we have forms and tools about 2,000 forms tools and templates Mm -hmm that help guide resident managers in their work. We also have best practice documents, you know, for various things. Certainly on the letstalkstrata.com.au page, we will publish the direct links to ARAMA there. So what are the future directions of ARAMA? Where's it heading? Yeah, well, management rights is growing. As Strata is growing, management rights is growing with it. So what we see as important is to continue to focus our industry on what's best for building and make sure that that grounding where management rights began that's how it began was to service uh, unit owners who were absent that that grounding is carried through so everything we do is really to our members is really about helping them understand that more and more so we're not talking about um taking the industry in a particular direction but we want to make sure that when lawmakers make laws they consider the needs of industry in those new laws so there's an advocacy role oh yeah and it's a strong part of what we do advocacy and i guess understanding your stakeholder needs and pushing them forwards so that they can be considered in legislative reform or government policy or or even so that other stakeholders understand and Mm. maybe dovetail with Mm. a rama to meet some of competing needs and some mutual needs. Yep. So I think uh, the other stakeholders in the industry in Queensland, the body corporate managers, unit owners, c- commissioner, uh, various ministers, would describe ARAMA as being respectful, uh, forceful. We will push forward our point of view. Mm-hmm. But we're also collaborative and we understand that there's a lot of people with lots of different motives involved in the industry. And we think that's really important because that's how we believe a committee should operate mm. at a local level. So we try and demonstrate cooperation and collaboration with unit owner groups and body corporate manager groups, as well as the regulators. Mm. And we do that 
as a way of demonstrating how our members should behave at a local level because that's really what's important. And I guess, look, um, and certainly from our perspective, the Let's Talk Strata podcast is designed to bring all those stakeholders together and have each one of them express their views in a safe way and respectful way. In terms of some of the things you'd like to see in the future to help your members... What are they? Uh, well, number one thing in Queensland is the equal voting rights equal on a committee. Voting rights. That would make yep. a big difference. Yep. And then beyond that, really to look uh, at a way to support the other stakeholders. I mean, our shared client, the shared client of body corporate manager and resident manager is yep. a unit owner. Yeah. And I've got to say that the needs and views of unit owner investors are really being largely ignored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, getting back to the short-term letting thing yeah. um, and the restrictive bylaws, that's not acting in the best interest of all unit owners. It's acting only in, in some cases, in the best interest of the unit owner occupier. So, so we, in a lot of cases, we're representing unit owner investors because we are unit owners. We're unit that owner investors, true, and that? we're unit owner occupiers. So, um, that's so. If there's a, a place in the future for a Rama in a more prominent level, uh, it would be that we continue to be treated with respect. Uh, we, we're listened to, and I believe we are on both those mm. points, and we continue that in the future. And where there is an injustice, like the one I've mentioned, that mm. they're attended to, because there's always room for improvement. But we've got to make sure that we look after the strata industry, not just our patch in the strata industry. Yeah. Okay. It's global, isn't it? It's, it yeah. is global. It's all, it, and it's about people, and we get it because we live and work in these schemes. That gives us incredible insight, um, which is far greater than others who support and service the scheme. So the lot owners at the end of the day are ones who own the scheme and pay for the scheme and now members are lot owners. Yeah, it's an interesting and broad uh, scope, not only in the duties but in the relationships and across the industry as well. Uh, It seems to me every stakeholder group needs to work together because there's an undeniable link and each group needs each other. Absolutely. Yeah. We're interdependent, Mark. We're not independent. We uh, are interdependent. And that's what Strata really attempts to do. And I think that's what the BCSM laws are attempting to do. And that's why I think they're pretty good laws in Queensland and, and other, but we're talking Queensland today. Mm. And that's why I don't think there's a need for huge reform, just an understanding that is we're people first and that we need to get along in in a common interest. Yeah, the, the betterment of uh, body corporate and the industry that everyone lives under. I feel like saying world peace, <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm, you know where I'm coming from. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, Trevor, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on board, hearing from you at the top of the stakeholder group, ARAMA, and uh, getting an understanding of your stakeholder needs challenges and issues absolute pleasure and we certainly hope to have you on board again for another interview uh, down the track very soon thanks mark thanks thanks again thanks that's it thanks for listening to another episode of the let's talk strata podcast for your fortnightly dose of strata insights stimulating discussion with leading strata professionals and to catch up on previous episodes subscribe to the podcast through letstalkstrata.com.au